The pandemic has revealed that schools are much more than just schools, that teachers are overworked and underpaid, and that teachers are irreplaceable and essential to the learning development. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen, and this is episode three of Apples and Coffee. And today we will be exploring the beginning of the COVID pandemic and teaching. We're going to be discussing our experiences with that, how we adjusted, what it was like when information came down on us, and how we reacted and adapted. Today, I have two amazing guests, and I'll have them introduce themselves right now, starting with Genesis. Hi, Stephen. I'm Genesis Castillo. I teach in Dallas. Um, I'm currently at Inspired Vision Elementary, um, and so I've been teaching for the last five years. And so, yes, I was teaching when the pandemic first um, first started. And next up is Daniel. Hi, my name is Daniel Rose, and I uh, joined the Teach for America Corps with Stephen and Genesis in 2018. I taught for two years in the Fort Worth uh, School District, and now I'm currently in med school. All right. So I want to start off with just think back around end of February, beginning of March. We start hearing the news about this virus that most people never heard of and about its spread. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I want to start off with what was it like in your school when that was being brought up? Like how, if you can remember, how were people reacting? Were, was there like a nervous energy in the air? Were people walking around nonchalant? Like, oh, I don't know what this is. I ain't worried about it. So what, what was going on with that? Um, either of you can go I, ahead. I remember, you know, it's just so interesting that when the pandemic was first, you know, when we heard about it, I remember seeing a lot of memes on Facebook. So a lot of my students had seen a lot of those memes you know, they're like, oh, COVID's happening. We're going to, we might have to, you know, go into quarantine. Um, So those were just rumors at the time, right? Everybody was just kind of speculating and we thought it was funny. And even as teachers, I don't think we really realized we were like, oh, that would never happen. They would never just send us home and send the kids home and not take star. That was just something that I don't think anybody could imagine. Right? Do you remember that? Or was that not your experience? I, well, I'll let Daniel go first before I jump in. Okay. Um, Well, it was kind of surreal for sure. The, like the, the time leading up into the point of that spring break, because I believe that's when we didn't go back in my in my school district. That's spring break, like everyone spring break, and then yeah, it was kind of it was it was surreal for sure. So like you see on the news what's going on, and it seems like you know it's international news, so it's like overseas, it's over there, somewhere else, not here. It doesn't really affect us as much. And my kids are you know third graders and. So it's not really on their radar. So I don't, you know, the memes, I mean, like that didn't really pop up in my classroom as much. But the administration, I mean, their reaction to it was put hand sanitizer in everyone's room. (laughs) So that's how spring break. (laughs) Yeah. So like leading the week before spring break, they like put hand sanitizer in everyone's rooms and make sure that, you know, you wash your hands and that you sanitize your hands. So that's kind of like what everyone was thinking about. It's like, okay, there's something might be going around, but hand sanitizer might fix it all. And then spring break hit and no one went back. (laughs) Did you pack? Did you all pack for, um, for, you know, going, because I actually ended up packing, but a lot of teachers did it. They thought that we were coming back. 
my school was like, well, we're going to pass out these laptops just in case we don't come back. And I'm looking around like, we're not coming back. Like, <laughs> why are we going to pretend like we're going to come back? We're not coming back. There's no way we're coming back. And I knew we weren't coming back because one, we didn't know a lot about the virus, right? We saw mm-hmm. these numbers jumping up. I'm pretty sure that's right when Italy started having like its massive deaths and everything. So people were freaking out about how many people were dying a day, so on and so forth. So yeah, I knew that we weren't going to come back. I laughed when they were just like, we may be coming back. And I was like, who are you trying to fool? (laughs) (laughs) You might want to, you can, okay, tell the kids we might come back, but you don't have to like look us in our POC and say, we might be coming back. Like, come on now. Yeah. It was interesting because at my school, we didn't even get a debrief about any of that. So it was like, there's something going around. We're going to take this. Like I said, put the hand sanitizer in everyone's room and stuff. And then spring break came. So like there was no distribution of laptops or technology. All of that happened after the fact. And it was actually, uh, it was fairly difficult. Did, did your students or your administration, did they know? Because I even, I know some people knew the words like quarantine, but I also remember some students asking, what is quarantine? Uh, what is a pandemic? You know, all these questions, a lot of, like you said, we didn't get a debrief. I don't think people even knew a lot of the terminology. I mean, to be to be fair, and I personally, I mean, I knew quarantine, th- those those terms, but in terms of functional quarantine, where like you're in it, I, I mean, I didn't even have the experience with that. So like, that was all very new to me. And to like to, I guess, add to it on my radar, I was I was proposing the so I proposed the first weekend of spring break when we left. That was on my radar, you know. That's what I was yeah. thinking about. <laughs> so, like everything else, kind of was really a, a part of my like thought process. And on top of that, like I said, my my admin didn't really they didn't really focus on it as much. Yeah. And so, the, I I think I don't know if this was this happened to you all, but the idea was that you know we were going to come back, and then it got toward a little bit closer to the end of spring break, and they were like, okay, we're going to extend it a little bit. And then it came, you know, a little bit farther down. They're like, okay, we're going to extend it further. There was really, uh, for my school at least, there was no idea that it was going to go on for as long as it did. Uh, Jasmine and I, we had tickets to go to Florida still. Uh, We're going to go to Florida. She was going to meet my mom and everything. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, flights are going to start being cut and we're going to start having a quarantine and everything. And so we thought about it. We decided to go and we went to Florida for part of that spring break and came back. And then as soon as we came back, we were stuck. And she was still in the classroom teaching kindergarten at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we'll come to that in a second. I just remember the day we left, we had a staff versus student basketball game. Something they always do before spring break where we play basketball against the kids, where we always beat the kids, even though they like to think that they can beat us. <laughs> oh, y'all gonna get me. So I remember that our laptop distribution was done hastily. And I think I broke my wrist at the end of that game, actually. And I never went to the hospital. Dang, dude, you went hard. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I was racing a kid afterwards and I landed weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> I broke my wrist and like I didn't know how susceptible I would have been to COVID. So I didn't want to take the chance. So I never went to the hospital. I didn't even go to the ER. I braced it myself and did all the healing myself. And it, it finally did heal, but I did it all myself. So it took like, Dang. it should have been only a few months, took about a year and a half to Dang. heal completely. 
So you didn't have a cast or anything? No, I braced it and everything and wow. just kept it. I immobilized it myself and everything and just, yeah. yeah, it was a very painful process. I shouldn't say it was a full break, more like a fracture, but still, it was crazy. It took a year and a yeah. half for it. But that just brings into like the, the reality that people's decision-making completely changed when COVID hit. Like <laughs> like your, your day-to-day function changed, but not only that, but like even in emergency situations, the way you thought, the way that you like planned your day completely changed. So just imagine that, but like kids. So now kids, like, like how do they structure their day? Completely different, you know? Kids who are used to routine. Oh, man, completely thrown out the window. Thrown out the window. (laughs) We didn't actually have, you know, we didn't have laptops or anything. So my kids were using cell phones. Do you, did any of your, my kids were using cell phones. So I don't understand how they were, it was hard. Look, they would take pictures wow. of their, yeah, we, I'm surprised that you guys had uh, laptops from the beginning. Well, so the, we had Chromebooks that were just introduced that year. It was a class yeah. of like 26. So on that last, like the last day of school, they collected all the Chromebooks and then they took those Chromebooks and issued them out to students. If a student had a laptop at home, they weren't issued a Chromebook. So, uh, oh, that's really nice, Steven. Yeah. That's really nice. They yeah. didn't think about the, what they didn't think about was the access to internet. Because internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's where our problems really started, the lack of internet access. And so then they tried to do the hotspots, but the hotspot rollout was bumbled. And it was just, oh, it felt like torture. One thing um, I can say about my school, even though they didn't really, I didn't, I didn't feel like they had a very good like preparation for what was coming i mean and that's to no one's fault because you never you know you really can't predict the future but i think that once the so we i guess my school district noticed that there was a you know shortage of laptops or access to technology amongst the students and they ended up don't like giving out laptops and hotspots. and at my school i have to praise them for this they had a very like good system of distribution I, I found very impressive, actually. And so I remember actually like going up to the school and volunteering, passing out uh, laptops and hotspots and scanning them in and, you know, trying oh. to keep track of them that way. And um, the the hard part, you know, post that, like once everybody has hotspots and once everybody has their laptops, the hard part is now helping parents get their kids logged on to all of their accounts because like I'm I'm dealing with these third graders and it's like like you know sometimes they forget their password they don't know what yes, website Daniel. to go to and then some parents don't even have cell phones to call yep. so like it's even harder to get in contact with those parents and it's just like layer upon layer upon layer you do laptops well you do hotspots well well there's another thing thrown at you <laughs> so with that real quick what was y'all's attendance like man uh so I was, uh, so like I said, I was third grade and I taught um, two classes because I was uh, departmentalized. In total, I had 46 students. I think that on average, I had about 30, to 25 to 30 students pop up. So about half. And then, yeah, so it was it was pretty bad. What that bad? Let me share. I'll share my number at your. Okay, yeah. Let's let's do some comparisons. 
I had one kid who steadily showed up mm-hmm. on Zoom for the whole time. And he would do it. And I tried to talk to him. He wouldn't really talk. Uh, he was sending me messages just saying that he was bored and he wanted to play games or whatever. Okay. Like, you can stay on and do that if you, if you want. That's fine. Yeah. It was just nice knowing that he was okay. And he still did the work and everything. He was just, I guess, how he was dealing with having this damn home. He just felt like he needed to connect. But yeah, one kid. And then our school started changing their attendance policy because at first they were like, you have to have kids logged on to counter for attendance. But then I guess they saw how many kids weren't logging on, so they could not do that. So Mm -hmm. then it was, as long as they show up and do an assignment, if they show work, we know they're alive, then they can come on. I'm like, okay. But I never had, that one student was there every single class period. Uh After that, yeah, I only had one consistently. I might have had like one or two pop up randomly for like a couple of seconds, but I only had one who showed up during his class time when he was supposed to. Okay. So keep in mind, I have two separate classes. So in my school, we actually did separate Zooms for each of the classes, kind of keep them together. So when I say 25, 20 to 25, like those individual Zoom with each class was like really kind of like small, it was small. So like yeah. 10 students, I only had like four or five consistent students. So like students that were there every day. And then you had, you know, some of them pop up and stuff. And my school also tried to do their grades through assignments. And that was, I think that's where I had the least amount of participation was actually doing, actually doing stuff. I mean, it got to the point where I was like, they're not, they're literally not practicing anything. So we have to practice this stuff during the Zoom call. So I try to find different like Zoom games that were, you know, I try to find some Zoom game ideas from online, what other people were doing. And it's, you know, some things were helpful, some things weren't, but it, you couldn't structure it the way that, you know, you did in the classroom. You couldn't, you say, okay, today we're going to learn this, this, and this. This is what we're focusing on. It, it had to be like, okay, we're just going to try something <laughs> and go for it. I struggled a lot with my students showing up just because, like I said, my school didn't have laptops yeah, or Chromebooks. And so a lot of our students were using their phones. And another problem that we ran into with classes being so long is that their data started, you know, it, w- it would go slow or it would mm-hmm. just like, cut off. And so th- and that was a problem with the hotspots. I guess they were using them to like stream video games and like all this other stuff. I don't know if y'all yeah. have it, right? <laughs> Yeah, you only get five gigs and then only get five gigs, yo. (laughs) And then you know what sucked is that as adults, we well some most of us know about having like a a space dedicated to work. Yeah. And you know, be able to isolate ourselves and do our work. And it sucked that, you know, I never had a chance to prepare my students for that. Once I was able to teach them about a workspace and being able having to work from home. For the kids who were working at home, it, it did get a little bit better. And then like you, Daniel, I didn't help with distribution of laptops or anything like that, but I was helping with the uh, distribution of like food and stuff for the okay. yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I will give DISD props for is that uh, that operation, 
at least from my point of view, ran great. And I was up there at my school, even though it was, oh, it got hot. It was bad. Oh, it was hot. Yeah, that summer was just hot for no reason. It was hot. But yeah, I was up there tossing those bags into those boxes and carrying the boxes. And I was like the biggest guy there. So, of course, I had to like do all the heavy lifting, which I'm fine with. But yeah, yeah. when I, and being a part of that and then the whole hotspot issue and the technology in general, but holy goodness, I didn't realize how far we had to go until the COVID came. And then it just helped highlight. Yeah a lot of issues that I knew existed, but I didn't know to the level of which that they did exist. Interesting enough, uh, like kind of talking about all of those just distribution of anything. My Something interesting that um, I learned or something that, that came up throughout this entire process is just like the dissemination of information. Like how like parents finding out about like, yeah. you know, there's a drive going on, like Go pick up your laptops or your hotspots or go go to get food, you know, like all of like I, w- I remember seeing it on Twitter and then realizing like that's that's also like a novelty like, or like um, a privilege to have, you know, just access to social media. Because once you start thinking about parents who don't have cell phones or don't have Internet, like how do they even see Twitter? How do they get these like voicemails on their phone from the school district saying like, there's this going on, there's this going on. <laughs> and so that was like something that really jumped out to me. Just like how did, how did people find out about stuff? Cause I don't know about y'all, but there were certain, certain parents that I just could not get in contact with. Yeah, I was trying to check yeah. up on them and see how their kids were doing, but there was absolutely no communication whatsoever. I, I agree with you. Um, Daniel, I think it was really eye opening. Like we were, a lot of times the ones connecting the parents to even resources, like how, you know, where do you get mm-hmm. uh, you know food? Where do you get, you know, services for your child? Where can you go get tested for COVID? Just anything like that. Those were, those were things that our parents, especially I um, teach in a school where it's mostly uh, Spanish speaking students. And so a lot of our parents don't speak English. And so that's another thing. How do you navigate technology and you don't, you also don't know the language, right? So then those are two different, you know, those are like intersecting um, issues and challenges for parents. And so as teachers, I felt like we were doing a lot of that, like the, not only like, you know, dealing with how do we get better at our craft, but also how do we help our community, you know? So I, I can definitely see how, um, it was, it was hard to communicate with parents and for them to find information and a lot of the privilege yeah. that we don't realize we have. With no, that's a question. I still ask that question today when they pass, when they come out with some new initiative or program. My first question is, how are the parents going to find out? Because how do, how do we get in contact with so many parents who don't have this access to that technology? Uh, how do we get in? How are you going to get in contact with the various language barriers, especially at my school? Because not only do we have a Spanish speaking population, but we also got a Swahili, Pashto, Nepali, and they don't get the same amount of services as True. other language groups do. Yeah. So made it kind of rough. And then and then it, it was actually kind of hard too because you know students I try to work on soft skills throughout the year. And when this pandemic started and the lack of communication that came from my students, even though I knew they were there and present, but their lack of communication. So we can't I couldn't even get to them to get to their parents. And that was very frustrating for me because 
I really did think that at least I could use my students to get through to the parents and then we can go from there. But that was not the case. My expectations might have been a little too high, but I also got to remember that, you know, they're dealing with the same thing I was dealing with for the first time ever. Uh, their yeah. reaction experience was different from mine. Yeah. So another, another thing that I, it, it, this just made me think of, I think going into all of this, I think, I don't know if, if your school implemented like screens on. And so I was very big on having my students have their screen on, but as more time went on, I think I realized, and it even like makes me a little emotional, but some of our students um, who had their screen off, a lot of times they either like were embarrassed of their house or they, um, I know I had a student who would put their hood on and I would always have them, I would tell them like, take your hood off because I need to see you. Well, after we came back, I realized that they didn't have electricity in their house. And so they had to keep their coat on, but they didn't want to tell me or share that with me. Hmm. So, that was something that, I don't know, just this whole talk about, you know, how privilege and how do we, you know, assist our, our students, right? But I think a lot of it is also like knowing, you know, the situation of, of our community and those things that I I probably, you know, I wish I would have known. I didn't really do that. Well, but that was for a different reason. I knew that their bandwidth couldn't handle uh, having their screens on and, you know, being on Zoom at the same time because mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of it. So I went real quick, not even bother having a camera on. I, you I can wasn't that tech savvy. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. Like, once I found out the, the type of hotspots they were getting, 100% knew that they weren't going to be able to do both, especially doing that. So I was like, don't even worry about it. You, you're not going to hurt my feelings by having your camera on. For what it's worth, the whole situation was, I would say, pretty disastrous and for the kids' it's like learning but I love technology. I'm a big technology geek. And so I also, even though it was a challenge, I really enjoy trying different things with technology to figure out how I could best try to teach something. I'd like, I, I thought it was really um, a good opportunity to figure out how to work with technology. Yeah. And even though I wish the circumstances w- would have been better, um, like the learning environment, I, I wish it was better and everything. But for me, that part kind of hyped me up because now I had access to like these different activities that, you know, kids could like engage with. And you could uh, I found this one resource called Commonlit. I don't know if y'all ever worked with Commonlit, but it's like, a, okay. a yeah, it was really cool to kind of like assign things based on the student's level. And they had all of these different features on there uh, where like, you know, if a student was really having trouble, you could have it read to them. Or if a student was, you know, in the bilingual program, I, you know, you could assign it in Spanish. And so there was a cool different like technology things that you, that I had, you know, a chance to kind of play with that I found to be like a positive from the whole situation. I agree with you, Daniel. I think the growth, the, you know, like I said, I'm not, I didn't consider myself very tech savvy, but by the end of COVID, I'm like, Hey, I'm a little better now. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What I like is that it forced me to do something that I had been wanting to do, which was incorporate technology more Mm -hmm. in my teaching, because I do believe that the population I serve is at a disadvantage when it comes to access to technology and using technology. And I always wanted to incorporate more of it in my lessons and so on and so forth. Uh, when I first started teaching, though, my first year, I really was, you know, thrown into the fire. So I'm trying to learn and adjust and use what other teachers 
had laid out for me, so to speak, and really rely on those other teachers who had um, experience in the classroom. However, I realized their experience wasn't what I would consider better, best serving the students in the future because they weren't really focusing on using technology in the classrooms, especially once we, especially once we got it. When COVID happened and it forced us to do it and it forced me to do it, I took the challenge. I think I did pretty good at the challenge. And then when we came back, I still try to uh, use those lessons learned in my teaching even today. And so I am appreciative of that opportunity that COVID gave me to finally push me to using technology on a more consistent basis and, you know, being creative with it. Steven, do you think you're still using that technology like to the same extent or that other teachers are using it? Because I... I don't know. I think like this year, I that's the one thing that I've seen. I mean, I continue to use it because I actually enjoyed it and I saw the benefit. But I also see like a, a regress in that. What do you think? No, I see a regression in it. I know. So there's some teachers who think that going back to like pen and paper help the kids do better on the test. And that's what their focus is, star test. You know, to each their own. I'm not a star tested subject, so I'm not really concerned but about that. Star I am, is now online. So that, that, but that's the thing, star online. is online. So for me, if the test is going to be online, then the kids need to be using technology as much as possible. And that's just my opinion. I still use computers in my classroom. I did have them taken out. They just took them away for star testing. I just got them back though. So I will be using them again. But my students to tell you that when I didn't have those computers, it was painful having to come up with paper lessons and all this other jazz that I do not like doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a conversation for another uh, topic. Another time, yeah. <laughs> while you're home at while you're home teaching, you're struggling with kids getting engaged, kids engagement, and everything. How did how were you helping yourself? How were you handling it? So, kind of, I guess, reaching back to that previous conversation or topic that you were just on, part of what makes uh, or what made teaching really exhausting, um, a a component of it was actually, you know, grading, having to do everything by hand. And, you know, although it's very fulfilling to see your students, like, you know, see the progress, it also takes a lot out of you. So if we start talking about self-care, now that you don't have this component of having to like hand grade all of these assignments, it just opens up so much more time to focus on yourself. So like self-care literally was just me being able to do what I wanted to do. I could, you know, now watch the shows that I wanted to watch or like spend time with Sarah because we were quarantined together. And yeah, for me, self-care just kind of looked at like, uh, looked like me being able to do what I wanted to do with the time that I had. It did. So one thing that... (laughs) COVID did change, did change how we spent our time. I remember before I was, you know, I would get to school. I'll be one of the first ones to come into the building mm-hmm. and I'll, I would leave late, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I was still, I've spoken this in the last episode about how over time my philosophy has changed on like working at home and grading at home and having those boundaries, but COVID helped me realize boundaries um, a lot sooner than I would have realized them had COVID not come. Because had COVID not come, I probably would have still been putting those, those same hours I did. So I think COVID coming, me realizing that 
I can still get what I need done without having to be there that early in the morning. I don't have to stay that late to help better manage my time. I think I took it took my self-care to a whole different level. That's when I realized, you know, hard, hard time, hard stop times and so on and so forth are very important. And that's one of the biggest things that helped improve my self-care. Oh, well, I should say more of my mental health than anything else. And COVID, you know, for all the bad that came with it, that's one of the positives I will say that came from it is that self-realization on the whole self-care spectrum. I like that, Stephen. I think for me, it was having, you know, I, I'm very close to my family. And I think just being able, I, I don't feel like I had been able to spend a lot of time with them, you know, the last few years, you know, with my sisters being in college and, you know, everybody just working, doing their thing. I think when the pandemic happened, my sister was abroad. So she came back and then my younger sister came back from college. And so we were all together during quarantine. And so for me, that was just like amazing. I mean, after like three months though, like we couldn't stand each other, but (laughs) (laughs) the first three, you know, months or so, like we just were able to have dinners. Like I hadn't been able to do that in a long, like I hadn't had dinner with all my family in a long time. And so that was just so nice for me. And it just, um, I think it just nourished a part of me that I needed, you know, especially after not having that for a while. Yeah. um, And kind of in addition to that, like, I feel like when you're a teacher, you wore a lot of hats, you know, counselor or uh, correction, not not correction, but like a behavioral (laughs) therapist, you know, like trying to help kids, you know, self-regulate and things of that nature um, on top of being a teacher. And I think that during the pandemic, what happened when we all went to quarantine is that a lot of those hats kind of got taken off because now you're able to really just focus on the teaching aspect, making sure the kids are there, teach what you can give an assignment, and then check in if people need help. And that's literally all I could possibly do during the pandemic. You really relied on parental involvement and make sure like, okay, now I've given the assignment. Parents are now responsible for making sure the assignment either gets done or asking the questions um, and any behavior thing that happens, you know. And granted, I loved having my kids in my classroom. I loved like interacting with them and teaching them about like, you know, social, emotional learning, but I can't lie. Like when some of those hats got taken off, it just felt like a bunch of bricks taken off my shoulder, a lot of responsibility not taken off of me. And I could take like, you know, bigger breaths and really focus on my, my self-care, my mental health. I had to take a note of that because that is amazing. And that's going to be a tie-in into next week's episode when we came back with those same hats plus more. So we can go ahead and start uh, wrapping up right now. Like for both of you to share one, your biggest takeaway from that initial going home uh, for yourself and two, what you hope can be gained from that experience for other people. Does that make sense? It does. I think Stephen, one of the things I, um, I just noticed that things are a little more laid back with certain things after COVID in the sense that we realize that things happen, right? I think one of them being star, right? I think like now, I mean, it's still very, um, I wish it wasn't as like the end all be all. And I hope that there's like improvement in that, you know, but I know like the past few years, they've star has, yes, we have star, but it's not the same as it's been in previous years where it's just drilled. Um, and I, 
it still is to some extent, but I, I do notice that there is a little bit of uh, more understanding as, you know, of course, as we also switch to online testing. But I also just hope that people understand that, you know, there's more to life. I think COVID really helped a lot of people understand there's more than just um, going to work, going home, going to work, going home and try, you know, because it forced us to, like I said, forced me to spend more time with my family. That's something that I had wanted to do for a long time. Now I make that a priority. We like that. Um, the sense that like there is like I, you definitely see that in like the uh, service industry, like the people started falling off a lot because they realized, OK, yeah. there is more to my life than, you know, whatever my job was. And so you saw a big shift in, in that. And so I will add to that, Genesis, uh, specifically with the education system. What I realized is that not one person has to do it all. Teachers don't have to do it all because when the pandemic happened, you saw this reaction from administration. You saw a reaction from parents. You saw a reaction. Well, not like my kids are too small, but even some students, you know, you hear stories about them actually taking more responsibility onto themselves. And so like you saw the cogs all working together, being able when you saw parents didn't have technology, the administration or like the uh, the board was able to produce funding to provide laptops to people who didn't have them, provide hotspots to people who didn't have them. You know, people needed food. You saw that being provided, too. And you also saw like people really showing up to make sure the distribution happened. There were things that occurred during the pandemic where you saw this distribution mm-hmm. of work. And people were working together and things were happening because not one person was having to do it all. It's not all on the teachers to do all of that stuff. And so something that I took away is that it's possible to see more interaction like that amongst the entire school system, more interactions with the administration, with teachers, parents. And, you know, that could ultimately really help the and benefit the students that, you know, are trying to learn because that's their job is to learn. I, I, I can't lie. I, I kind of what was the second part of your question? Oh, well, one was your personal takeaway. And then mm-hmm. uh, two was like a big picture takeaway from that experience. Big picture takeaway. I think a big picture takeaway is that, you know, there there's a lot of grace that needs to be given. So especially when you have in a situation where nobody was nobody was ready for this. But you see a lot of blame getting thrown around like, yeah. you know, someone didn't react a certain way. Someone. How could you not predict this? How did you not react this way? And it's like people need a lot of a lot. We need to give grace because it was a situation that all of us had to adapt to. And it's difficult. And people had very personal problems that occurred, you know, families workers across the spectrum but that that's kind of my big picture takeaway is that um we we have to learn how to give grace in situations that we're not comfortable with i like that uh for me my big takeaway would be that so there's that there's that saying though it takes a village you know to raise a child and that usually refers to your own personal child, but I think it also refers to the our students that we teach. Mm-hmm. And I think that COVID helped highlight that we are all a village that have equal part investment in the success mm-hmm. of our children. And to a lesser extent, though, their families also, especially for the populations that we serve. Um, should that be put on our shoulders? Maybe, maybe not. The thing is that it is on our shoulders. And so I think that COVID helped highlight that and it's up for us to fix what we see 
and also mm-hmm. advocate for change that we can advocate for to make sure that the village is there to take care of all the students. Facts. And then for me, my personal takeaway would just be, for me personally, I learned how to respect my time. I yeah. I was throwing myself at the job and I wasn't mad that I was doing it. Like I wasn't like, oh, I got to come in here at 630. I still love doing it. I had no problem doing it. However, COVID helped me realize that I need to be able to take my time and there's value in me taking care of myself. So COVID just helped me uh, realize that um, a lot sooner. Truth. Truth. I agree. (laughs) Thank you both for joining us today. And next week, we will be talking about teaching during the pandemic, part two, the return to the classroom, hybrid learning. Stay blessed and stay safe. Have a good night.